0: Keith Smith of Spotrack joins us now, and uh, we talked about this last week, man. And uh, you said there are executives around the NBA that have said, we think we got a shot, like, what, 10, 11 teams, and it could be a very active trade deadline. Well, we certainly got that. Big names, little names moving, whatever the case is. Just big picture for you first to start off. Your overall impressions of what you've seen, good, bad, whatever the case is uh, from the NBA trade deadline.
1: I absolutely wild dead deadline. I did not expect it to go quite like this. So we're but we're we'll see these deals are all going final now. Some of them are gonna structure as multi-team deals, but we're gonna be in the range of 20 total deals in season, and about 15 or 16 of them are gonna have happened in the last uh about 12-15 hours or so, uh, which is absolutely incredible. So I think we're in a spot now where the league is exactly what you said it's wide open these teams feel like they have a chance to win so they're going after it and, and we saw you know it kind of become an arms race in the western conference especially a couple east teams tried to uh, do some things to shore up their their positioning but yeah it's it's you know, really wide open in the nba right now
2: I was really struck, Keith, because uh, Matt Ishbia just took over yesterday. <laughs> and uh, and his first order of business was to make sure that he got Kevin Durant before the deadline and before that night ended, right? Was that something that we can say is, is going to be a foreshadowing of how aggressive he's going to be as an owner and what that means for the Phoenix Suns in the future? I mean, what, what sort of struck you about that trade?
1: Yeah. It could be something when when we look back on this 10 years or so from now, we're like, man, this guy came out day one, really making big moves and he's never stopped. But then I think back to Mark Cuban when he took over the Mavs and they made a million big trades and they were – trading and signing everybody under the sun that they could get and then he became actually down the line one of the more conservative owners for quite a while so i think this was i want to make a big splash and i know kevin durant wants to be here let's go get him if we can and they had that opportunity to go get him as everything kind of went sideways in brooklyn so i think this is more let's jump on it let's make something happen than it was anything where it became a you know we want to read into this and say, yeah, this is a you know, this is what it's going to be like in Phoenix forever. How would
2: you assess that trade in terms of the details and the pieces got they got moved and and who benefited more or you know what, did anyone win or lose that trade in your opinion?
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard to know on the Nets side because we've got years upon years of draft picks. We're, we've got some 7th and 8th graders that are going to be picked with, with a couple of those picks. So it's going to be a long time before we know the end story. But, you know, I think the Nets in a tough situation this week after Kyrie on Friday basically said, get me out of here. Uh, they They did fine in that trade. They did really well in this trade, I think. It's Kevin Durant. So it's hard when you trade one of the best players in the league and an MVP candidate. But you got Mikael Bridges back. You got Cam Johnson back. And you got four draft picks and a pick swap. And some of those picks are going to come probably long after Kevin Durant is retired. So we don't even know what the Suns will be at that point. So I think long term, the Nets look great. In this, in the immediate, it's obviously the Suns. As long as KD can come out of the all-star break healthy and ready to go, the Suns are a title contender. It's going to be very, very hard to slow down that offense because this is kind of Chris Paul's dream now. He can just orchestrate, probably doesn't ever have to shoot if he doesn't want to, and set up Devin Booker, set up Kevin Durant, make sure DeAndre Ayton gets some touches, and just kind of do their thing. They are going to be really, really good.
0: Keith, after uh, obviously Phoenix and Dallas improve at the trade deadline, Denver's been playing great basketball. Where do you have the Grizzlies right now? Because I think Luke Kennard's a fine player, but that's the only move they make at the deadline. Where do you have Memphis, where it looked like they were probably going to be the top team in the West here for the next couple of years, and now uh, the deadline's kind of like flipped everything over?
1: Yeah, it's tough for them. They, I, I thought they should have made a bigger move and gone and gotten like OG Ananobi or somebody like that because they have the draft pick capital to spend. That team is basically the core group is there and locked in. And it was time to add to that group and step forward. But we're in a position in Memphis where they're still going to be pretty good. They'll probably finish, my guess is, still probably finish second in the conference behind Denver, but behind them. Phoenix, the Clippers, uh, the, those teams get better, so they're they're, they're going to be pushing up the standings. The Warriors are still around, and the Warriors made made a, a you know fairly minor ish move, but but it should help them on the court with getting Gary Payton the second back. So that, that's going to be something that'll be interesting to watch, and then the challenge for memphis is they might have this great regular season and then all of a sudden find themselves in the very first round of the playoffs looking at the warriors or maybe even the lakers who got a lot better in the span of the last couple days so that's a really tough spot to be in and luke Kennard's gonna help them really good shooter gives them a guy that they really needed they needed one more guy who could knock down jumpers but it's it's just doesn't feel like enough compared to what the other teams in the west did
0: Talking to Keith Smith, BetMGM tonight. Nice enough to stick around for two segments with us, which is great because there is a lot to unpack with what's happened just at the trade deadline, and also what it means for you know the immediate and long-term future of the season for certain teams. We talk about how wide open the NBA is, and how wide open specifically the West is. The Lakers made a lot of moves. I mean, Russell Westbrook's obviously gone. It's not, uh, it's not stars that they've brought back. D'Angelo Russell, I, I look, I, I look at him as a good player as long as he's mature and, I don't know, not putting guys' business on Snapchat like you did with Nick Young years ago. Where, when you look at just specifically the Lakers, where do you put them in the Western Conference now and what should the expectations be in your eyes for them the rest of the season?
1: They're much better. Their challenge with the Lakers is everyone goes to, well, you know, they are only X amount of games behind, you know, fourth place and sixth place or eighth place or whatever. But their challenge is they're still 13th in the conference. That means you've got to climb a whole bunch of teams just to get up into the mix uh, for for those spots. So that's where, you know, I keep telling people, you keep talking about fourth place and those kind of things. It's probably not happening because that means they have to go on a, incredible run to end of the season you'll probably only lose four or five more times in their their final 25 or so games and then that involves involves a whole bunch of teams in front of them losing uh you know seven eight nine ten times and that's probably not going to happen with all those teams so their work is cut out for them but they're in a better place today than they were yesterday uh, i think getting d'angelo russell uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley is huge for them, especially when the only guy they gave up of any kind of consequence is Russell Westbrook, and it sounds like that was headed that direction anyway, if we believe all the reporting that's coming out today. So they're, they're definitely better. I, I, the Thomas Bryant move, that was a little weird, but sounds like he didn't really want to be there anymore either. Uh, Mo Bamba, I, yeah, I'm not a big Mo Bamba guy, so I don't know how much he'll, he'll help them, but that that's a better roster. It's a roster that certainly makes a lot more sense. They have a lot more versatility. So they're going to be really good. But by putting themselves in the hole they did, it's going to be hard to dig out of it. I think they get into the play-in tournament, and let's see what happens from there.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm curious about who, Keith, you think are going to stay on that Lakers team. Because you've got guys on expirings, right? I think Delo's on an expiring. I've, I can't remember if Beasley is as well. Uh, so, you've got that, like, does the, do these moves give them, is this like kind of a gap year? Does this give them more flexibility, less flexibility heading into the offseason?
1: They basically have almost the same amount of flexibility that they had prior to making any of these trades. I think what's important to know with, with these guys is they're in a spot where all of the players they took on, they've really got control over moving forward. So D'Angelo Russell, you're right. He's an expiring contract. Uh, Malik Beasley, there's a team option for, for him. So the Lakers are controlled there. Jared Vanderbilt has a very, very light guaranteed amount for next season. Uh, Mobamba is fully non-guaranteed for next season. Uh, same as, as, as uh, Devon Reed, who they got also from the Nuggets in the uh, Thomas Bryant uh, trade. So, so they're in a spot where they can still get to 30 million dollars in cap space if they really want to but i think now what you're looking at is well, we kind of like Malik Beasley. If he plays well, we keep him. Uh, we keep D'Angelo Russell. I would not be surprised if we see them extend D'Angelo Russell. They can give him a two-year deal with a fairly minor amount of raise. i involved off of his current pay. It would not be a surprise at all to me. They extend him, and then that aligns his timeline with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so they would all be coming off the books at the same time. And if they need to hit a big reset in a couple years, that's when they'll do it. Wow.
0: Keith, I think the favorite, my favorite move that the Bucs made was just getting rid of George Hill because now uh, (laughs) Mike Budenholzer is not going to play him actual minutes (laughs) in the playoffs. But do you think Jay Crowder is enough for the Bucs? Because I thought they really needed to make a couple moves. And obviously, we knew Crowder was going there eventually. But do you think that's enough for Milwaukee in the East with the way Philadelphia is playing and obviously Boston?
1: Yeah, George Hill. That that moves like when in Moneyball, uh, Billy Bean trades Carlos Pena. So so uh, Art Howe can't play him anymore, right? Like You're that, that's yeah. what they, uh, yeah. they, they. that's what that reminds me of. So yeah, I'm with you because uh, Javon Carter should have played more than him in the playoffs last year against yes. the Celtics, but that's that's water under the bridge, I guess. Um, so I think Jay Crowder is, is a huge upgrade for them, especially while they have Bobby Portis sidelined. lined. They, they needed to get one more guy on the court that's. Kind of coming off the bench, that's not six foot four, right? You just needed a little bit more size. Crowder's the guy who's been there, done that. He'll do a lot of the dirty work as far as defensively. He'll get in there and bang. You know, he's the kind of guy who's going to knock somebody down in a playoff game and and then not pick them up. And that's going to get everybody kind of going one way or another. The question with him is: Is he going to make shots? That's really it they've got enough offensive cover that if he's not making shots, they'll just pull him out and they'll play somebody else. So I think that was a really good depth addition for Milwaukee, considering they give up George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was now, uh, Jordan Noora, Uh Yeah, Jordan Noora. Guys yeah. Who, yeah, guys who don't necessarily play for them. So, yeah, why not? And they, they added a little bit to their tax uh, bill, which you know, that ownership group should be lauded for. They, they've paid significant money to, to keep that team together and keep, keep chasing titles.
0: Talking to Keith Smith, got about three minutes left in this segment. Keith's going to stick around for a second segment with all the chaos that's gone on in the NBA. And the trades are one thing, but there's also the buyout market. Once that passes, there are certain teams obviously looking for guys that are going to hit that free agent market. Russell Westbrook's name has certainly been thrown around. Maybe Patrick Beverly leaving Orlando, never playing for them. Uh, What do you expect or what names do you expect to see on the free agent market when it comes to buyout season now that this is done?
1: Yeah, you mentioned a couple of them. Reggie Jackson is sounds like he's gonna be out there. He got traded from the Clippers to the Hornets. I think um, Will Barton is getting close with, with the Washington Wizards. He'll likely be be waived. So these are all guys. This is a little bit different. Normally what happens on the bio market is it's these old veterans where it's kind of like I like to say they're more name than game. And that just is my way of saying, like, yeah, you recognize the name, but they're not very good, like, and they haven't been very good for a number of years. But this is a little bit different. Some of these guys can still play and can still help teams. And and there's not a sense, like a lot of times in normal years, it's like, all right, this guy get traded, he's gonna be bought out. We all know where he's going. This year it's a little bit different because we there are so many contenders. A bunch of those contenders opened up roster spots. I think Boston has an open roster spot. Phoenix has the has uh, ability to take somebody in as well. Those are two teams that I know some of these guys are definitely looking at. I think Chris Haynes uh, reported that Reggie Jackson may get a look, for look from Phoenix, and that would make a lot of sense for them as they, they try to retool a little bit of their depth after adding Kevin Durant. So it, it's, it's definitely going to be a very, very busy bio market for sure.
0: Yeah, we got about a minute left here, so we'll just hold off until we get into some more questions so you have more time with this. But I think this is what – this is really – uh, a testament to the NBA as a whole in the landscape, where these aggressive teams, everybody making all of these moves, you're looking around going, okay, there's, there, there is parity now in the NBA and more than we've had, you know, in a really, really long time. And we'll talk to Keith again uh, for another segment, kind of more, because I want to dive a little bit too into – you know, where we're looking at in terms of the futures market teams in the Eastern Conference as well. More moves in the West, but what does this mean for the East? I think there's a lot now that we have to unpack moving forward. That's really questions that are up in the air, guys. Yeah, the yeah, NBA playoffs are going to be so exciting this year.
2: Yeah, and uh, like I was telling you guys about the stars that are all in the same division, uh, in the Pacific Division, it's ridiculous, right? Like you've got the stars on the Warriors, the Kings, now the Suns. It's it's ridiculous. It's stupid.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's, it's sometimes too, it's not always the big moves. It's the smaller moves, that can make a difference for a team if they're just looking for a shooter or a good defender, rim protector specifically, whatever the case is. Those are what can sometimes make a difference for teams that already have kind of a filled out roster and it's you talk about the Grizzlies and Luke Kennard, yeah, you get yourself a shooter. All right, the Grizzlies didn't need to do that much, but they weren't as aggressive as maybe they could have been and other teams in the Western Conference were. So that really reshapes a lot of things. It gives us an opportunity to look at a very wide open NBA in both and we have, it's been a long time, you know, since we've really been able to say that. So it's, it's just, it, we, we got to kind of find a way to kind of break this down and figure out exactly where we're going to look the rest of the way.